Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops for psychological operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something deviant and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. Welcome to the 277th consecutive episode of Cinema PsyOps. That's 277 weeks of mediocrity, vulgarity, and general idiocracy. That is this show. I'm your host, Court. I'm all jazzed up to have no place to go, sitting again in quarantine at home, but socially distanced across the entirety of the city of Omaha is my co-host, Matt. That's actually the sound you make when you orgasm, I bet. <laughs> no, I mostly just grunt like a caveman and, and then collapse and try to catch my breath. You should incorporate that. <laughs> and then just right into snoring. Like it's a warning sign for what's about yeah, to happen? Yeah, yeah, here it comes. It came. <laughs> I would like to say that my orgasms are not that much of a production, but that would kind of be a falsehood, so... <laughs> I mean, you have a whole stage set up and everything, smoke machine goes, we get it, we get it, you're into theatrics. 
I'm into artful fucking. You really are. You really are. It's nice, though. It's great. You know, you make a whole production out of it. Everyone feels special who's involved. You got a sound guy there. You got a lighting guy. It's really nice stuff you got going on. No one that knows my wife would believe any of that would be possible yeah, right? in any way, shape, or form. Also, and also, also, with your ADD ass, you get way too fucking, oh, the light's right? Is that smoke machine going off? And it just never would happen. <laughs> yeah the uh incompatibility of my stage crew would probably make it hard for me to finish pretty much yeah <laughs> why is, why is, why why is the sound guy not making eye contact with me right now he's making this weird no it's not that i would want a sound like eye contact or anything like that i would want him to do the sound better i would probably be critiquing yeah yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> be calling daily meetings listen the last the last event because i'm assuming you call all your sex the event so the last event was uh are you making this up as you go along or are you stealing this from somebody because this is almost no, too I, creative for you I, i'm just making it up as i go along i swear <laughs> it's weird that when you start somebody talk- you know i'd tell you <laughs> Well, it's like anytime you start talking about weird sex stuff is when you become the most inventive, almost like you've never grown past 13. It's possible I've not ever grown past 13. This is <laughs> this isn't a lie. I mean, I think anybody who's listened to the show long enough knows I probably haven't <laughs> grown past 13. Yeah. I don't know when I stopped growing as a human being and what age I'm regressed at, but we don't have that this week like we did last week with regressed main characters. Yeah, no, we don't have regressed main characters. Well, now it's just like the weird redheaded cousin dude that was pulling all the pranks. Ranks was pretty Georgie. Regret. Georgie, yeah, he was pretty. His name's repressed. fucking Georgie. So <laughs> there's only one other person I've ever known with the name Georgie, and that was in the fucking the book and the movie It. And that kid got what he deserved. Whoa, whoa, he would have grown out of being a Georgie. <laughs> no, 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 he was gonna be Georgie forever. You could tell. You can always tell when a Georgie's gonna be a Georgie forever. So you're saying It did the rest of Georgie's family a favor by devouring the child? Yes, yes, I believe so. <laughs> wow you are just throwing fucking right hooks and left hooks all over the place here fuck it man listen tyson fought again in his career and he said he did it while high and i am just impressed (laughs) i don't know what that has to do with anything other than me saying you're throwing it makes me want to throw rights and lefts and i don't you know (laughs) i'm i'm 60 years younger than tyson and he's in better shape than i'll ever be so i don't think that math checks out but you've never been one to claim that you know math i don't like math i don't like numbers so i don't know i don't speak latin all right would you be surprised to learn that the weekend murders was actually an italian production shot in england i would not i would be actually i know this is giallo film so okay so you did the you've been doing a lot more reading lately on these movies instead of just taking notes yes but usually that's an indication of whether or not you like it i will say this even without reading i would have known just because of how much we've done that this was a giallo film by the middle of it not even the middle. Like, mainly right from the beginning, you kind of know what it is. <laughs> you can feel it in the score, but yeah. it does have a very, and we'll, we'll dig into it more as we kind of discuss, but this is a very tongue-in-cheek, very... Um, it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's a farce, like, kind of, like an Italian yeah. farce-type comedy murder mystery, but it's basically doing a 
farce on Agatha Christie novels or murder mystery type things like 10 Little Indians or And Then There Were None or, you know, that type of yeah. the numbers are slowly dwindling and the police are not able to stop it. Uh, and it, it does definitely take a very comedic tact. And I guess the director of the film was known for more comedic roms before this. Like he had done like, you know, parody films and comedic stuff. So I, it just it was really bizarre because while watching the film, I kept feeling like I was watching a British farce type film that was taking, yeah. you know, Agatha Christie a little bit, just, you know, taking the piss out of it and having a little bit of fun. And then yeah. I noticed, like you said, somewhere like probably about the first third of the film, because I always try to watch it without knowing anything about it. I, I noticed like, hey, this dialogue seems heavily dubbed. This is starting to sound like some of the people yeah. that I've seen in other Italian films and like their the sound of their voices and, and those they, dubs. And how they acted and you, you know what? A British murder mystery is not going to have this much like sex put into it as this movie did at least not in and this time issues. frame in like 1970 ish maybe yeah. not as much but yeah. but like the the weird kind of giallo aspects that got molded with this farcical just take on an agatha christie murder mystery it was really bizarre and i'm not gonna lie i had to watch this twice because the first time i watched it on sunday night i was really not getting into it so i watched it again tonight mm. before we recorded the show because i felt like i was being me again and I needed to just back off and not go with what I was hoping the film would be or what I was like expecting from it and just kind of go and, and watch it and kind of see. And also there's a couple of things that, that have to do with the mystery part of it where I think they got a little too um, freewheeling with because I think they left a lot of loose ends and I want to talk about those as they, they come up and I watched it again just to kind of make sure and see. And some of them were just me not paying close enough attention because this film does demand your active participation. I will it say really that. It really does. You, yeah. gotta, you gotta pay attention. Right. or else you're going to be lost. Right. Even if you just like look down to pet your cat or some stupid shit like that, you might have missed a very important point that would have made you think that, you know, they just left a loose end when in fact they didn't. And uh, I'd be... I'd be pretty concerned because if I looked down to pet my cat, I'd realize I don't have a cat. What's this fucking cat doing here? <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Even something yeah. as simple as that, which is what happened to me because when the Mac demands attention, the Mac gets attention. Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> but I think it'll be a kind of an interesting conversation, although I don't know how long of an episode we're going to be able to do, hence why I'm really padding out the front of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's Well, it's an hour and 37 minutes. It's it's not a lot of clips. Five, I have five clips, and I was impressed I even got that. Um, and other than that, just talking about, I mean, it's going to go pretty quick. Yeah, and there's I a think. lot of visual stuff that's visual clues and, yeah. you know. You know not a not a really lot of subtext as far as I could tell either. I, I could try and drum up some fake shit, but that's just not me. Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> if I don't see it, it's not there. It was, yeah, fuck it. Well, let's stop talking around the movie and let's proceed to talk about the film. So we're going to play the Legion promo for the GoFundMe. We will have a little bit of music that I was able to find of the soundtrack of Weekend Murders. And when we come back, we will have the double feature promo from what it was originally released in. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand-scale take-a-penny-leave-a-penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events, 
and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. titled 90 miles to london a lot of the other titles are in italian so uh not gonna be reading those off but i really dig that track it has that very tail end of the swinging 60s feel to it man yeah man makes it it's swinging bass shaking what's it yeah <laughs> All right, I was referring to this earlier, so I'll give it a brief explanation before I drop the trailer. This was a trailer for a double feature that I guess The Weekend Murders was part of a double feature between this and another giallo named Belly of the Black Tarantula. So whenever it was advertised, they were advertised together in this trailer. Don't get murdered this weekend. See two for the price of one. An ungodly human monster with paralyzing needles stalks his victims in the black belly of the tarantula and the weekend murders the butler's body was the first body they found you'll never believe where they found the others in the weekend murders the black belly of the tarantula. A weekend murder. A who done it and a what did it? From MGM, rated R. Well, there you go. <laughs> rated R from MGM. Yeah. All right. Fuck it. Let's start it. The weekend murders. The first twenty. We wake up and a cop is starting out his day. He's heading out on his bicycle. He hitches a ride in a milk truck, grabs some milk, but still pays for it because damn it, it's the law. Uh, he comes up to some people who are all looking sus as shit at one another, including looking sus at him, and they're all trying to play some golf. Uh, a young lady goes ahead. She uh she tries to uh, hit her golf ball out of a sand trap. She does it and covers a dead hand. And we get a lot of screaming. Uh, some more cops come, of course, because it's a murder scene. And we find out this is the third murder since the reading of the will. And this flashes us back to 
are one of our main characters, Barbara, and she's welcoming people to this large estate. Uh, it's her family. Uh, the first people who she welcomes are her aunt and her cousin. Her cousin obviously is a bit of a creepy dude and is really eye-fucking the maid, so... Good old Georgie we made reference to earlier. Boy, is he a whole bag of trouble. And his aunt is... His mother, or his mother, is an overbearing, probably the cause of why Georgie is the way Georgie fucking is. Oh, most definitely. We got a Norman Bates shit going on with Georgie here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she is just, you know, uh, what I would say the fucking worst. Anyway, um, so they talk and she starts bashing. uh, They're talking about they're going to be reading um, her brother's will. So uh, the aunt's, you know, her brother's will. And we find out this is also Barbara's uncle. Not her father, but her uncle. Well, as Barb and her aunt talk, um, we find out her father, or we find out uh, her uncle, Barbara's uncle, in his last years uh, has locked himself in the observatory you know, like looking through all his telescopes and he hadn't really talked to anybody in months, not even to Barbara. Um, just then, um, uh, the aunt starts bashing, uh, Barb's other cousin and the man's actual daughter, Isabella, for abandoning her father, uh, and marrying some failure, as she put it. So, you know. Ouch. Wow. Yeah. Probably didn't, you know, probably didn't need to do that kind of shit. Uh, she's very clearly the aunt who likes to look down on everyone else to make herself feel better about how badly she wants to bang her own kid. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely say that's, uh, that's definitely the case. She is a piece of shit of a, of, of a person. Game of Thrones fans will refer to her as Lannistering. Yes, yeah, she is definitely Lannistering, uh, her nephew, or her son. Um, well, I meant... Talking bad about and talking down about everybody else around you while you're committing incest. That's Lannistering. Yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, apparently the lion does not concern himself with the opinion of the sheep in Alabama. So Isabel uh, then arrives with her husband. Um, her husband and Barb share a little bit of a look there. And then uh, they kind of, uh, the aunt kind of grills Isabel why she would come for the will reading, but didn't come for her father's funeral. And then we find out that Isabella was pregnant and she had a miscarriage while the funeral was happening. All she says is that she lost the baby and that she wasn't feeling well. She may not have had a miscarriage because did you see the look of shock on her husband's face? Because it sounds like that was news to him. That's could possibly be true yeah uh, i guess yeah or he's just shocked she even told anybody but either way right she was apparently pregnant and uh she lost the baby the big thing that i was getting at here is the aunt feels like a busybody kind of a bitch and she was talking down about her anyway so she zinged her back with that basically stating no this is what was happening you fucking incessant cow <laughs> and good (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think that's basically what she was getting at but my thought wasn't that she necessarily lost the baby because of a miscarriage i think she may have gotten rid of the baby because she was possibly not wanting to be tied to her man anymore oh yeah that could be that's uh, where I was kind of thinking of it, and uh, I the reason I bring it up is because the second watch is where that that through line card kind of started with me because yeah. I had foreknowledge of what was about to come, so that's why I'm mentioning it. Well, um, so then uh, Barb's uncle Lawrence. And her other uh, cousin, Ted, they all pull up. Uh, Tim 
has brought in his wife, who happens to be a woman of color. And this is much to the shock of this very traditional family. So, sorry, everyone, but don't be dicks. Uh, yeah, it's... And he seems to do it just for the shock of doing it. He married her because she's black and it shocks everybody, right? That's yeah. That's the whole thing, but like... I mean, that doesn't seem cool either. No, but at the same time... She doesn't really seem like she's married to him for any other reason than just to do this outrageous thing. And maybe they're not actually married. It's just like a stunt they're pulling, but it's... No, they're married. Yeah, well, you find that out later, but at the time, you think maybe this is just some kind of a stunt they're pulling. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah, it's real uncomfortable because clearly everyone's so upset that she's black, so they're all racist as fuck. That's why they're upset. And like only one person really even seems to to not really be bothered by it. Only one person really seems to go over and talk, and that's Barbara, right? She goes and introduces herself. Yeah, Barbara goes and says, you know, my cousin driving is pure shit, so I'm sure you need some help with this. So let's let's get you tidied up and rested and get some tea in you. Right, like super inviting, really bringing her in. Yeah. And the busybody bitch aunt is the one that really makes the big shock about it, whereas everybody else is just kind of like, oh, you got married? Like, that's the look on their face more, yeah. than, more than anything. And then the busybody aunt, once again gets a zinger like that's the whole thing they did pretty much and so um then uh while they're all kind of getting rested and like having some drinks and everything talking about maybe having some plans of things they want to do like tomorrow uh georgie says he's gonna or the aunt says georgie needs to take a bath and he goes oh but mom i want to you know take a shower and she's like no no only americans and animals clean themselves standing up so a gentleman takes a bath yeah mom Mom's got issues. If she yeah. wants to control how her son can bathe, what else is she controlling what he can and can't do? Oh, yeah. You know, it's not good. Yeah, there, there's some serious Oedipus shit going on here. And then mom is going all Norma Bates for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. So uh, then uh, Isabella and Barbara, they kind of head off to bed and uh, they talk. And, you know, even Barbara uh, Barbara says, you know, you're you're telling Isabella, you know, your dad wasn't my favorite person in the world, but someone should have been, you know, need to be here to help him. And Isabella says, you know, how much she really loves her, loves Barb, and like she thanks her for taking care of him and that, you know, they need to, you know, she'll always have a place uh, with, you know, with them as a family. So no matter what this reading is uh, or how it goes, you know, they'll, you know, Barb always has a place with them. Just then Barb and the butler share a weird look. And then the butler's like, well, I was just making sure everyone was fine. She goes, oh yeah, we're all fine and you can go now. So, so Barb just is acting sus as shit. The, um, but so is the butler. Yeah. The butler. Everyone's acting sus. The butler was up to something. Barb caught him pre whatever it yeah. is he's doing or post or about like you know just about it but then just stopped and was able to cover it up whatever was going on there she caught him like somewhere in the act of doing something that's wrong or weird or yeah. not right or she doesn't have it she does not like and he's trying to clearly cover it up so it's one of those things where they both know something's up they're both staring each other down and they're both feeling each other out and we kind of have to pick a side but since we're seeing the butler from Barb's perspective the film is forcing it into taking her side on this at first yeah so I mean it, it's a pretty straightforward mystery movie or book type ploy, you know, where you're following the characters that they're, they're trying to the, do. Yeah, the movie mysteries and all that shit. So, right. Yeah. And he's a butler, so of course he's going to be a fucking red herring. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, 
as they as then um the maid goes to deliver some towels to Georgie in the bath and finds him dead with his ro- throat slit. Aunt has a fucking paperclips moment and everyone's screaming, but then he tears the fake scar off from his throat and he shows he was just pranking him. That was my response yeah. to that. I was like, there you're you a shit, Georgie. I fucking hate you oh, already. Yeah. And uh, the aunt tries to drown him, which, you know, that's fine by me. I was actually the cheering next- her on, and I was hoping that was going to be the first official murder we actually get to see. <laughs> right. The next day, they all go shooting rabbit, and they, you know, it's like seven of them, and they finally get one. One rabbit. It's like, yeah, wow. I- I, all I, of you are fucking horrendous at everything. <laughs> I, I was gonna say no. They go hunting, and then you're like, and the way you were describing them, like you're right. They all go shooting and hit one yeah. rabbit. So they go shooting they at hit rabbit. One rabbit. They go shooting at rabbit. That is a correct yeah. dis- discussion of what they go happened. shooting at rabbit. Yeah. That's it. They shoot at a rabbit. That is all. <laughs> that is literally everything they do. Oh, they're pathetic. They really are. Yeah, I have nothing but contempt for almost all of these characters for a good yeah, portion of this. There's not really any good characters to have here. Just yet, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Barb and then uh, Isabella's husband, Anthony, they talk for a bit about, like, just memories they have of you know, being in this very pier. Um, and as they're talking, Isabella screams and she yells for them to show up and they all go there. And what they find is their uncle dead uh, with a knife in his chest. But we find out this is again, Georgie fucking around. The uncle is actually just was asleep because he, he's a, not a morning person. And Georgie had put a knife on him and like a fake knife and put blood coming from his lips. So Georgie again, uh, struck and that's the end of the first 20 minutes so we find that we have a lot of undesirable characters and georgie's a prick yeah um (laughs) it's kind of a slow going first 20 minutes and you really have to give this movie a little more time but i don't think at the start of this it really kind of but they do enough job of giving you like um of giving you something to uh, finally like look forward to because georgie's a prick georgie's mom wants to fuck him yeah uh you know it's it's a lot of good times there (laughs) <laughs> all right well the the incest through line is probably the only thing that's really all that interesting i believe yeah. there's a reason why we see the third murder first and it opens the film with this little travelogue of the cop biking around and doing all of this fun stuff uh it's because they knew the next portion of the film to where we get to this point that closes out the 20 minutes wasn't yeah. strong enough to hold your attention without giving you that little tease at the start yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, once you kind of get over that and just accept that the movie will pick up, you know, like, but it's really hard to do. And I, I think without that opening bit of the third murder that you see, and then, you know, like your, your, here's your list of all of the suspects. <laughs> <laughs> that they open the film with, you know, where they literally just hold on each of the people because they're all looking suspect. If they didn't do that, I don't think you would want to stick around for all of this to get to the point where you find out what's happening with that third murder. Yeah, you wouldn't really care. But they give you some interesting characters, at least, to start paying attention to. Yeah, it does sort of pick up. But the thing with Georgie in the bathtub, like, really fucking made me want to stop watching this movie. Because I'm like, don't you fucking do this. Don't have it be a bunch of goddamn pranks over and over again. And then you can't tell if they're dead or not. That's not that funny. Do it maybe once more. (laughs) Yeah, right. And then they did with uh, Georgie pulling the prank 
on the the uncle falling asleep during the hunt. I mean, shooting at rabbit that they all do. So at this point, I'm pretty fucking irritated and I want a real death. Yeah, all right. <laughs> fucking right? Yeah. So, well, we start the next 20 minutes and we come time for the will reading. And right before that, the officer we saw in the beginning with the milk, he shows up to the will reading. He's kind of bumbling and stumbling all over the place. And he shows up and this actually ends up being our first clip. We begin. If you all so desire, I can omit the reading of the preliminaries of Sir Henry's will. We do so desire, Mr. Thornton. We do indeed. Very well. Then I shall confine myself to reading the terms of this testament that concern the parties present. To Sergeant Aloysius Thorpe... Uh, present. To Sergeant Aloysius Thorpe, who for 25 years every Saturday has patiently allowed himself to be beaten at chess and who has been of prodigious help for the cultivation of the azaleas, pride of my hothouse, I bequeath the rarest of my earthly possessions, all of my 200 pots of azaleas. I rest with the certainty that Sergeant Thorpe shall give himself to the cultivation of these splendid plants with the same dedication he applies to his duties as an officer of the law. To my sister, <coughs> to my sister, Lady Gladys Victoria Campbell, and to her son, George Harold Gregory, 4th Viscount of Glenborough, to my brother, Lawrence Brown Carter, heir to the Barony of Vale and Lord of Middlerun, and to my nephew, Theodore Collins, Duke of Cantwell, I leave a bequest of inestimable value to which I hope they will dedicate fitting care. I refer to the historical archives of our distinguished family. From these they will learn, and I trust with salutary effects on the <coughs> damned snobbery, that our fortunes derive from a certain Captain Johannes Carter, enriched by illicit slave trading. Our ancestor, I am certain, would have been delighted to know that the documents which speak of his lurid history are to end up in hands so similar to his own. To my daughter Isabel, I bequeath the wedding ring and personal effects formerly belonging to her mother. As for my personal wealth, she demonstrated her contempt for it by leaving this house against my will. I feel it fitting, therefore, to respect her sentiments by not leaving her a penny. With all due respect, as witnesses, I must ask you to hear out the final stipulation of Sir Henry's will. I dispose, finally, that all the wealth and the property which constitute my patrimony go to my niece, Barbara Ward, whom I nominate my sole heir. Although reared in America by a father whom I never could admire, I owe Barbara my gratitude for the affection with which she has remained by me, bringing a little serenity to these last lonely years of my life on earth. Being of sound mind and body, I hereby sign and seal this, my last will and testament, 15th of January, 1970, Henry Carter, 2nd Baron of Vale. That rotten old son of a... Ted! I thank you in the name of the whole family, Mr. Thornton. I'll see you out. Oh, thank you. The damned, miserable, rotten, cheating old bastard! Requiescat in pace. Isabel, listen. You should say something. After all, you were his only child. He can't do this to you. Well, he has done it, and I expected it. We were so much alike. Oh, darling, it's not the money I'm thinking oh, about. It's... Oh, no. Of course not. Oh, you keep out Don't of this. Don't be such idiots. We're all involved in this. Little Miss Florence Nightingale had it all figured out, she did. The sneaky bitch. Mummy! Drop dead! <laughs> I'd like to express my very humble, sympathetic regret 
Sorry. Condolences. Barbara's very young. I was just thinking. I was just thinking that when you're as young as that, you don't think about making a will. So if, for example, something happened to her, the inheritance will be divided into equal parts. There'd be enough for everyone. What are you saying, George? Well, exactly what you're all thinking right now, Mummy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what a fucking horrendous family. So the husband just gets up and leaves of the daughter whenever she's written out of the will. Uh, the main uncle slash father guy that is uh, the dead man in question here, who the will is being read by, really seems like a spiteful shit because he really finds a way to just basically twist the knife on everybody with what he bequeathed them. Yeah. It's like the most unsubtle, pissed off fuck you from the grave I could have probably ever seen. Well, he sounded like he's also just a shit stain himself. Well, yeah, the whole family clearly is selfish pieces of shit. I don't think there's a good person in the entirety of the family. Maybe some of the people that married into it, but mostly there's not really a good person in the entirety of the family. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I let's because of what's about to happen once we start getting into it, the sergeant is there basically as a, like a plot device to have a cop there upon the first discovery of the body that we're about to be happening upon. Like, that's the only reason yeah. that he got bequeathed anything. I, they they wrote it in that he played chess with a guy. So the guy biked out to this dude's residence, like, once a week to play chess and also take care of some flowers. Right, right. And we'll, we'll hear more about that later on as well. But it's like, you know, why did it have to be a cop? Why couldn't it have just been somebody in town? <laughs> eh, it lends to its part, you know, where he's going to be an inspector. Right. Well, and the main reason for all of this, too, is he needs to be there with what's about to happen. So they just made it that the sergeant, you know, is there. It works better if we don't have the intro to have the sergeant be there as part of the will. Yeah. But when we have him in the intro and we already get like this long little thing and we know that he's going to be like not necessarily our main character, but like one of the main focuses of the characters in this movie, because we already know that having him there feels more like a work than what it would be if he just shows up for the will reading. Without I see that. that. It's also for that comic relief. You know, he's got to be a right. And he's a I just I just want to say I do not dislike this guy. And I am a little pissed at this movie for making me like a cop over everybody else in the film. <laughs> but well, then because that's what a cop is supposed to be is what this character actually is right but some of the stuff that he's doing i was picturing nick frost delivering some of the same lines and bumbling and having fun yeah. with it and then i was yeah. like okay so he is the plucky comic relief cop this is the kind of guy that you would hire like a nick frost for to do yeah. this same kind of stuff or, or you know be be funny and have some it's see by, by the way if all cops were like this we wouldn't have the problems we have today <laughs> right let's just move on past that because we're focusing yeah. in on that too much but yes that's the, the reason i was able to settle down the second time i watched this is i was picturing him as a nick frost character to be the comic relief for some of the other stuff and when i realized it was just a plucky comedy you know spoof kind of thing i watched it at, to enjoy it on that level and i think this is where the second time around i loosened up and started to like it oh there you go well then the 
the officer goes down, he starts counting his flowers, and of course the, the guy, the gardener there is pissed off and shit, but he they accept it. And as he's counting more flowers, he comes and he finds the butler's dead body. The family all comes together, and they all think it's a joke, and they start laughing, saying, hey, he's gonna get up, or he's asleep right now, and uh, another Georgie joke. Uh, and then the cop shows him that, no, he's not asleep, he's actually dead. And uh, so then uh, they call in Scotland Yard shows up with Inspector Gray from Scotland Yard. Uh, Gray starts questioning Barb out in the front yard, and then a, a, a sculpture next to him is hit by a bullet. Uh, they check the observatory area where the old man had been, and uh, Barb had said that he turned to astrology in death, as most people, like most people, would turn to religion. Um, so then, uh. The bumbling cop, uh, his name is, uh, Thorpe. He shows them where, uh, the marksman's, uh, uh, handgun was located, cause the, the, the uncle had a lot of guns. And he would know this because he was a close friend and they played chess frequently. Yes. Um, so, he, um, he shows them that, and, uh, they said that that's definitely the gun that they chose to probably shoot with, cause it was a marksman's gun, but, uh, they used probably a silencer on it. Um, so then, uh, Gray gets the family together, and that is our next clip. Right then, let's begin. First of all, I'd like to know if all the members of the household are present. It's quite simple. Is everybody present or not? Uh, Ted isn't here. He's my husband. Might I ask where he is? On impulse, I would say no. As for my whereabouts, what the devil has that got to do with you? And who the devil am I talking to anyway? Ah, I'm Detective Inspector Gray, CID, Scotland Yard. Someone took a shot at your cousin, Barbara. Someone is not a very good shot, it would seem. Yeah. Would you mind telling me where you've been? Oh, strolling around, I went out with the intention of taking a few photos of the landscape. Hmm. It might seem strange to you, but uh, photography is a hobby of mine. Oh, really, sir? It's a hobby of mine, too. I'm sorry. Do you mind very much, sir, if I take a look? Thorpe. Uh, I'll with you, sir, in a minute. What are you looking for, Sergeant? The pistol? What did you say? <laughs> I was saying that uh, your sergeant's quite crafty, but he won't find any pistol in there. How did you know the shop was fired by a pistol? Well, uh, you said so. No, I just said someone fired a shot. Oh, yes, true. And I instinctively looked straight at the gun rack where, obviously, there's a gun missing. Mm. I'm a bright boy, you see. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I see. Never seen such a conglomerate of knobs and thingamajigs. Why's the FT put beside this M thing? Huh? The distance scale. Thorpe. Sorry, sir, it's all so terribly curious. In other words, sir, you uh, said it at six feet, which in meters is... Two meters. Your pictures would be out of focus, I'm afraid. Unless your landscape was only six feet away. I didn't say I took any photos. I just said that I went out with the intention of doing so. Ah, uh, of course. Sergeant, when you satisfied your photographic curiosity, 
could you be so terribly kind as to go back and look after my tape recorder? So our bumbling cop has a real Columbo thing going on where he uses the fact that everyone automatically assumes he's a doofus to play 3D chess while they're all playing checkers. And they set it up really well here and I didn't pay attention to him and his questions because he irritated me the first time around. The second time when I watched it, I paid closer attention to him because I thought that this movie was working me, but but no, as a matter of fact, he is asking very poignant, very serious questions, but he's doing so in a very goofy and dorky way. But he yeah. clearly knows what's up and is like really kind of reading the room, whereas your Scotland Yard detective is an oblivious fucking twat. Yeah, well, he just thinks he knows better than everybody because he's from Scotland Yard. Right, which you would never have a person that's in a position of power automatically assume that they are better at something than someone that is beneath them would be. That never happens. Yeah. Yeah, that never happens. I mean, not at all. I mean, who, how dare you, sir? Right. I just really liked the way that they did this, and it was actually really subtle. And again, I wasn't paying close enough attention because I was a little irritated by the fact that he was bumbling, and I didn't want, yeah. I was resistant to the fact that this movie was trying to make me like a cop as my main character, which we can talk, we can basically say that now. He's, he's, he's our fucking Mrs. Marple. He's our, uh, <laughs> <laughs> our Perot, you know, he's yeah, he's the guy. He's the one that we're going to be following. He's our fucking bumbling Columbo. You, you better fucking get on board and like him because he's going to carry the film for you. And he did. <laughs> Yeah, it took me, like I said, a second viewing, but I realized that I was just being fucking prejudiced and I needed to give this film another chance. So I shook it off and watched it again. And yeah, yeah, he does. He fucking wins. I just didn't want to like a cop. (laughs) Well, you have to on this one. So, (laughs) yeah, it's the same thing in fucking Hot Fuzz. I was always resistant to like it, too. (laughs) While at dinner, uh, it's dinner time, and while dinner, the inspector asks to stay the night, and Barbara agrees. Um, that night, Ted is talking to Pauline, and they kind of get into a heated argument, but he tells her he's going to get that 20000 quid. It's in the bank, baby. But we see that the new butler, or who was kind of like the groundskeeper or the handyman of the place, now he's a new butler, he was listening the entire time. Yeah, he's like the valet, but he also works yeah. on and takes care of the cars. I think that's all he does, but yeah, now... Yeah. Now he's become like a makeshift butler. Yeah, and that's the end of that 20 minutes. So we start the next 20 minutes. Uh, we see a mysterious figure, all clouded in black, climbing around the house, kind of looking in on windows. And then he attacks the maid. Well, the maid tears the mask off. We see it's Georgie. So can I ask you, is this sequence yeah. where Georgie goes all sexual pervert on the maid? Is this where you knew for sure you were watching an Italian film? Yes. I, 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 know, I knew when Georgie talked to his mother. Okay, but this this one there was no doubt you did, and if you wouldn't have had to look it up, if you hadn't looked it up previous to this scene, you would know at this point this just reeks of Italian sex comedy slash sense of humor in a giallo. They have these kinds of jokes that are a real uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's like a sequence at the end of one of the Jallos starring Edward Fennick where her boyfriend basically jokingly says he's going to anally rape her. Then he flips her over as she screams no, and the movie plays one of those like joke da 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 da, and that's how the film ends. Yeah, so. <laughs> 
strap in. It's about to get that uncomfortable. Well, yeah. And so he kind of he says he's going to force himself if she doesn't give him you know what he wants. And he threatens just to kinda, basically murder her if she doesn't. Yeah. If she she needs to just like let him do whatever he's going to do or he's going to kill her. And all she does yeah. is laugh at him. She laughs at him and says, are you just wanting to take me to bed? And he's like, well, yeah. So she said, that's fine. And she kind of starts talking, like flirting with him a lot and getting ready to bed him down. And when he goes to get some, uh, he keeps seeing his mom. He keeps seeing his mom chase him around the room and he runs out of the room, confusing the maid to all hell. Well, at first he goes to pounce on her, but as he goes yeah. to pounce on her, she jumps out of the way and then he sees his mom there. Or then he'll see his mom where she should be and then he shakes his head and then he sees her as she's like running around the room playing this like chase you chase me game before they have sex but then at some point he has like this complete psychotic break or some shit where then his mom is now chasing him around the room like coming after him sexually and that's where he like tears ass out of the room and she's just like what the fuck because momentarily he was still lunging in the general direction of where she was and the maid thought that they were just playing this fun game whereas Georgie's like hallucinating his mom and still kind of into it sexually and then terrified of the notion that she wants him back I mean no subtext there it's all just right there in the scene of what yeah. you're seeing and then runs away when she comes after him for the same type of thing that he's going for <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you're not wrong. And I was like, so, this is such a weird fucking Italian giallo moment, like played out with British actors. And it was such a surreal thing to see. Yeah. And um, what well, I would say, yeah, Georgie, fucking, he, he doesn't know if he wants to bone his mom. He wants to kill his mom. He wants to bone his mom. Uh <laughs> Georgie's got some problems. One and then the other, or the the other and then the one, and then one and then the other, and then the other, and then the one again. Like, you know, is he going to kill her, then bone her, bone her, then kill her, kill her while boning her, then bone her after killing her? Like, he's confused as to what it is that he's going to do, and that was a whole shitload of fucking clips. (laughs) Fuck. Well, so then, um, to make matters worse, then Georgie leaves. As he runs about, his mom catches him with her stockings on his head, because that's what he was wearing, and she's like, what you doing out in the castle and he was like looking at naked ladies mom and she starts beating him and then he is like he apologizes she turns around he makes believe like he's going to strangle her but uh, instead he she hugs him and he hugs her and then she starts kissing his neck and it's it's just fucking weird yeah um it was hot jesus christ court Uh, no, it was really fucking uncomfortable. And Court, gross. Is your last name Psyops or is it Lannister? I really need to know. <laughs> no, that was gross. Because if, it, if it's Lannister, I'm not going to the Red Wedding because I know I'll be one of the first that you'll just fucking slaughter. <laughs> uh, that was orchestrated by another family, but we don't have time to go into that. Move on. But it won't fucking, you know, you know what I meant. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so then the next day, Isabella, she's heading into town and Ted gives her a roll of film to have developed. Um, we see the handyman. He's kind of watching that. He goes into the garage and we see a car light on and we see Pauline in the car kind of telling the handyman to get into the car with her. We cut back into town and Isabella's car broke down. And while she's getting it checked out by a mechanic, he said because it's the weekend, they probably won't really be able to look at it or be able to finish it until Monday. And this guy offers her a ride back 
back to the estate. Uh, then we see Isabella's husband, uh, not happy about the new guy in the house or that, uh, he gave his wife a ride, but he says, uh, you know, he should be able to stay for dinner because, you know, he did, uh, he was, uh, Johnny on the spot on the rescue. So then, uh, we see Gray and Thorpe and they're playing pool and Gray gets a call from Scotland Yard. And in this whole moment, there's a funny moment where the woman who connects calls into the town, the, like the town operator, she's a busybody. She wants to be able to listen on everyone's calls. And this, of course, pisses Gray off, but Thorpe tries to tell him, hey, listen, do you want your calls connected or not? You got to kind of let her know what's going on. And so Thorpe even kind of tells her stuff. You're right. It's a total Nick Frost type role. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially right here, because he's explaining the weird thing that, you know, it's just Mr. Treacher. You know, like I was totally exact, picturing that. Yeah. It's the exact thing he played as in, uh, in, in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. 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 It's that yeah. that's role. And that's where yeah. I started enjoying and being okay with liking the cop character. Uh, and this little quirky moment about the town where if you don't let the busybody get the gossip, you won't get your yeah. calls connected. That is yeah. such a small town quirk that like people just have to deal with and they're willing to um, like give something up, you know? Right. It's it was this was actually charming and funny to me. And this this is well, where the lot. first time around I settled down and realized. Yeah. I need to go back and watch it again. You know, uh, it was this I like, sequence. I like this part a lot. And so Gray finally gets connected and finds out that Ted owes money to some very unsavory characters. Well, at this point, he wants to call everyone to go, you know, he wants to talk to Ted. Well, uh, the maid shows up and says that Ted is actually locked to the room, the, is in his room and the door is locked from the inside. So they go to investigate and keep asking to be let in. And they're not hearing anyone and they can't really see inside the room. All the while they're knocking they hear a gunshot so they then they break down the door and they find uh ted dead uh, uh what appears to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head using the missing pistol that also was used to take a shot at barb so while gray is kind of leading people out of the room that he's gonna check this out we hear a loud thud and when they go to check it out we see that thorpe is kind of laying down next to the body. And he was like, did you hear that? And he was like, yeah, we thought something really bad happened. And Thorpe goes, okay. And then while Thorpe's doing a lot of great investigative work, um, Gray is just going on and on about how this is a suicide and that, you know, they're going to figure out and this is makes sense and all that, which it doesn't. Yeah, he investigates several aspects of things that are going on and you see him yeah. like actually like pacing out on the room but he's yes. not walking in a straight line but he is putting his one foot in front of the other to kind of like feel where he is stepping like he's uh -huh. following along a floorboard or something along, along those lines and he's very deliberately walking and you, you you realize this and then he walks over you know tracing his line over and looks at a plant checks it out scopes yep. it out digs around in the plant a little bit gives himself a little huh type huff uh -huh. then walks back over to the dumbwaiter and and yep. go and ahead. He, he propels himself down there. With he, yeah, he doesn't. Ray. He doesn't drop. He tells the guy, "Hey, yeah. stay put. Don't move. You know, don't listen. move. And yeah, just hold on." So as Gray waits uh, with him down there, all of a sudden he hears gunshots again. That's when Gray goes to check out the flowers and see there's a little speaker in there. Gray then throws himself down <laughs> to the. Uh, yeah, he actually throws himself down. He doesn't like yeah. take the dumbwaiter down like the other guy did. Doesn't he just jump? He pretty much jumps. That yeah. was a huge fucking drop. How does he yeah, not hurt? <laughs> so Gray then joins him in that laundry room, and there they find a tape recorder, and that's our next clip. If I may, sir, you've been listening to a concert, light motif for a solo gun, and Mr. Collins got it in the pizzicato. Pizzicato? I mean, yes, of course I knew that, yes. Well, tell us your theory first, Sergeant, as you see it. <clears throat> 
Now, we've got a killer who purposely locks Collins in his bedroom. Why? So as to plan it that we don't find out he was killed at least two hours earlier. Collins was killed with a silencer. Remember those drops of resin, or what do you call it, that muck up the muzzle when you use a silencer? Yes, yes, of course. Yes, now, the killer takes the weapon and plants it on Collins to make it look suicidal. He locks and leaves the key inside the door, then ups the sound of a speaker. Now, mind how the dumb waiter gets down the chute to where? The chute to where? Hmm? To? To a nifty little tape recorder, all set up, on which the killer manages to record the pistol shot, eh? To get through the old recording, our killer had an hour's worth of tape, and so, by placing the shot halfway through, there was ample time to mix him with the others and... Uh, I give Collins the way to blow his brains out. But when I didn't hear his body so go kaplunk to the ground, it put me to wondering a trifle. Very good, Thorpe. Quite elementary, of course, but, uh... You haven't figured out who did it yet, eh? I'm sorry if I misled you on that, sir. Ain't got a blooming idea. Hmm? No. You sure now? I don't... No, what? Got him, Thorpe! Trap! Oh, I don't quite understand. Oh, well, couldn't expect you to. You haven't had my experience of investigations. The murderer has left the proof in our hands. The tape recorder, Thorpe. You couldn't do it here, of course, but through the resources of the CID, we'll trace his own in a matter of mere hours, Thorpe. Mere hours! But, sir, as a matter of fact, a mere glance. Oh, really? Good. Let's see now. This is the property of Detective Inspector L. Gray. It was his, his own fucking recorder was used against him. I love the way that Thorpe fucking owns this guy. Like, oh, yeah. he goes through and he basically says, well, you obviously knew this, sir, and you obviously knew that. Or he's yeah. clearly talking down to the guy, but doing it in such a way where a pompous ass like him would automatically assume it's just a sign of respect. Of it's all elementary. All elementary. Right, right. And he goes through all of the stuff. He says all of that. And then he just dangles the lead out there about the recording. And then the guy automatically jumps on the most obvious thing that, you know, your typical killer that would plan something like this out probably wouldn't overlook. Yeah. And he's like, well, we'll track him because we'll find the owner of this in no time. At, you know, just a couple of hours work. And <laughs> it's his own tape recorder. He flips it around and shows him the label that says it's labeled his. And it's so funny that the killer snagged this dude's fucking tape recorder to use against him in this yep. crime and it totally would have fucking worked because he's that much of an idiot if it weren't for Thorpe and those bumbling kids yes exactly <laughs> so and that's the end of that 20 minutes by the way yeah and this this is where I started having fun the first time I'm around and really, I decided I needed to go back and watch it again just yeah. to make sure number one I'm so far I've enjoyed the whole thing and I'm completely enthralled I'm invested and I'm entertained it's a whole lot of stuff <laughs> well I'm really glad because I when I was watching this, I'm like, I bet Matt fucking loves this. And like while I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah. I feel like I should like this more than I do. I need to give this another chance. You know what I mean? And yes, I did fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's too good not to. Yeah, I figured you would have enjoyed fucking it. Ho horribleness and horrible people, and then one fucking goofy ass fucking cop who is is actually playing everybody completely, pretty much, because he knows kind of what's fucking going on. That's why I liked Columbo episodes. What's really great about it the way they set it up is I was also fucking tricked by how much of a bumbling idiot he was at the beginning. And, Same here. And it pissed me off and it took me a little bit to get over in the 
first time watch that they tricked me like that. But <laughs> that's why I watched it the second time, I think. And I'm like, okay, you know, because I, I really didn't want this guy to be my main character. I didn't want to like him. And they tricked me into it. And then I realized that I was just not liking him because he was a cop. So it's fine. <laughs> you know, and it was this sequence where he's doing the shit in the basement with the recorder and everything and just owning this fucking pompous ass and like making him look yeah. like a total fool. That's when I fell in love with it and I was down. Yeah, me too. I, I fucking was like, loving, and not even just him just be the total tool. I didn't care about that so much as I was just like, I wanted, just wanted to be able to see this, uh, see this happen and, uh, see, see kind of what, how the, some of the shit went down. And, uh, I, I always love a good, um, uh, like I didn't so much care about fucking what was happening with Gray. I uh, just didn't really care, but I wanted to see more, you know, what was kind of happening to, uh, just how uh, Thorpe was going to solve all these fucking crimes. Like a Columbo episode, because I was. I was always into Columbo episodes. Yeah, it's definitely got that more whimsical feel to a detective story that you would get with like a Columbo. Um, and I think the spoof of how serious Agatha Christie and the weird twisted family shit she always brings to her stories, like it spoofs that really fucking well and yeah i think i was just resistant to that as well maybe my first time watch but it all clicks for me here in the basement and that's why i decided to give it a second once around and i liked everything else that i liked it the same from this point forward so i'm just gonna stop talking about the points about you know the different watches because it syncs up at this scene is what i was trying to get at and i think it's a good place to do it because we're over halfway and we're yeah. we're bearing down on the end of the film so it's perfect yep uh so now, uh, Pauline uh, walks up, the the kind of the group's having afternoon tea. Pauline walks up, and uh, we all, they, everyone tries to, like, you know, calm her, well, not everyone, Barb tries to calm her down, say, you should have some tea, really helps keep your strength up, and she has a pretty heavy paperclips moment, in which she's like, I don't fucking care, you know, I don't trust any of you, any of that stuff, so, um... Uh, so while all of that's kind of happening and, you know, we're all kind of scared for Pauline and she runs off, um, uh, the rest enjoy, uh, tea time and the inspectors both watch and they're like, kind of like, what the fuck is this family doing? They're having this fun afternoon tea time when there's been murders happening. Yeah. The lady who freaks out and runs off, this is where, you know, for sure she did legitimately love her husband and she's also yeah. scared of something she knows more than she's letting on. Or if she doesn't know of something, you know, she just knows that somebody murdered her husband you know that's enough to be scared i don't think she knows anything and we'll get into that later okay yeah i totally her husband was just murdered she doesn't know any of these people and she doesn't trust them and she knows one of them had to have done it they just can't yeah. figure out who just yet Yeah, exactly and she thinks the only people who can help her is a bumbling cop and an arrogant asshole from scotland yard which would have me terrified and running off too same here um, then we see Isabella, she and the stranger who gave her a ride, he's leaving and she kisses him. As she does that, we see her husband, Anthony, is watching. As he's watching, Barb walks into the room and that's our next clip. Barbara, what's wrong? You look as if you've seen a ghost. Would you like a drink? No, not just now, thank you. Well then, I'll drink for both of us. What's come over you, Anthony? You never used to drink at all. Do a lot of things these days I never used to. And vice versa. I remember you used to write some lovely music. Afraid you're the only one to appreciate that. Oh, except me, of course. <laughs> Barbara, I'll tell you something I've never even told Isabel. 
what her father said when he heard that she was going to marry me at all costs. He was seated right here. I can see him now, crusty old pirate with his red face glaring at me. Anthony, you're a good lad, but you're not worth a damn. Not a pauper's penny. My daughter has the courage to face poverty, but she needs a man at her side, a real man. Trouble is, even when she does open her eyes to you, she'll be too proud to admit she made a mistake. Anthony, you know very well Uncle Henry was morbidly jealous of Isabel. No matter whom she No, wait, I, I haven't finished yet. He also told me something else. He said it would take a different kind of woman, one with a driving force, with an inner strength, to make a man out of an, an entity like me. A girl like Barbara. He told me, a girl like Barbara will make you a happy man, Anthony. All right, so we see there's some stuff going on with uh, Barbara and uh, Anthony. So then uh, uh, we see Thorpe, he uh, catches them almost kissing. Uh, that night, uh, Thorpe and Gray, they are kind of being shifty, and they're putting strings attached by gum on each door. So they'll see if the string's broken, who left the, their room at that night. So not a bad idea that Gray had, and that was Gray's idea. So, I mean, even Gray had some good ideas. He's just a bit arrogant about it. I believe to bet Gray, if Gray was investigating a crime in London, would be acting different than investing in crime here because he's technically to them out in the boondocks you know out in the country yeah but he is also doing a classic blunder of underestimating his opponents yes no exactly and the the threat with the gum sticking to the door to see and make sure nobody gets past there's other ways of doing that where it's not so fucking obvious because i mean all it would take is one person to see that they have that in the door jam you know whenever they flee their room and they could have just basically broken a bunch of others to cover their tracks in the same hallway but you you have to trust that these people aren't so self-absorbed that actually look for that right but i'm just what i'm getting at here is he made it he made it super fucking obvious and it just seems like this was just an excuse for him to feel like he's more brilliant than he actually is you know and i feel like thorpe is still humoring him because i I feel like want to hate gray a lot Right, but I also feel like Thorpe is kind of giving him a little bit of shit, too. But maybe it's just part of the comedic play where they're just, you know, hey, let's give this a try, buddy. What do you think? And they're all excited about it, like kids. You know, like, maybe that's (laughs) Crawling around. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Like, maybe he legitimately is, but I felt like he was kind of teasing him and talking like an excited kid to, like, kind of give him some shit. But But I think he is an excited kid. See, that's why he's like... That's why he's like a, a Nick Frost type character. Is that's not a put on by Thorpe. He really is an excited little kid doing everything. But at the same time, he's actually really good at what he does. It's just that yes. it's that delicate balance that I think I'm still having trouble seeing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I wanted it to be a little more sinister motive on Thorpe's uh, behalf here. But you're right. It's totally just two guys having like a gleeful like spying kids time and yep. checking up on it and investigating, which is enjoyable in and of itself. I'm sure. Sure, it just I guess that didn't work for me because I didn't <laughs> I didn't see it that way. You just yeah, you just want someone to be angry. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's all I have, Matt. <laughs> so anyway, um then Isabella and Anthony, they're talking in the room and they have 
pretty terse conversations. He's like, do you think I should go return this receipt for the pictures and stuff to Pauline? Or do you think she thinks it's stupid? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm sure you could do that. I don't think there's going to be a problem with doing that. And she gets all mad because she's like, why? I mean, why are you so okay with me, you know, rummaging out in the middle of the night by myself and not like one, like wondering where I'm going? And he's like, well, I trust you. And she goes, well, how's that supposed to make me feel? And he goes, well, I thought it would make you happy. So Anthony's completely checked out of his marriage. I mean, but Isabella is desperately wanting him to always be jealous of her. And that's not healthy either. So uh, they're just two people who probably shouldn't be together. She's purposely Um, doing this to try and make him jealous. Everything that we're seeing with the kissing the other man in front of him and all of that. And he could give less fucks because he's in love with somebody else. uh, Possibly. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, she leaves and is, you know, just, she leaves for the night. Uh, then Georgie comes into Pauline, uh, or comes on to Pauline later on. And he asks her, he goes, just yes or no, you want to hook up? You know, you could say yes, you could say no. And she goes, yeah, okay, but you just have to tell your mom about it. So, <laughs> It's like, eh, oh, fuck it. <laughs> Everyone have a good time. Well, her, uh, his mom is super fucking racist, so this is just a way yeah. to get back at his mom. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's great. Um, let's see here. Then we see a figure cuts out all the lights in the house. And uh, so, and, and we see the um, Thorpe is, he brings out his flashlight. He's looking around trying to find out who cut out all the lights. He gets into a scuffle with a figure and throw, and he gets knocked out, you know, after, uh, you know, a, a bit of a fight. Uh, the next morning, Thor, he wakes up and he's holding a button with some cloth on there. Uh, so he knows he has evidence and he tells the cop the uh, next day, or he tells Gray the next day that he knows the person who they're looking for will also have a, a shiner, you know, of a black eye because Thorpe landed in a pretty good punch. Um, so then, uh, they go checking everyone's doors and everyone except for Uncle Lawrence, uh, everyone else's door, it's everyone left their rooms last night except for Uncle Lawrence. He's the only one who was like, who just stayed in. As they keep looking, they go to check on Pauline, but she's completely vanished from her room. She's not in her room at all. Uh, while having morning tea, uh, Thorpe is unable to find any garments in the house with a missing button. And then Gray and the auntie get into a pretty heated discussion about kind of, like, who did what? Who's doing what? You know, she's like, you know, why can't you guys get any of this figured out? All that kind of shit. And he's like, you know, you're kind of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish he would have dressed her down a little bit more than what he does but yeah, yeah he does pretty much tell her and put her in her place yep um so then um the group decides to go golfing and now we're all catched up from where we were at the beginning where yeah yeah they she hits the ball and they find pauline buried in the sand and you know too bad so sad she apparently was strangled and uh the, the fucking georgie goes not a very inventive way to kill and you're kind of like uh, fuck georgie you don't know when to shut the fuck up do you yeah um, he's being like super fucking creepy sus yeah so as uh thorpe and gray talk an officer brings that strangled stranger who had picked up Isabella the day before. Well, guess what? He's got a button torn off his jacket and he's got a black eye. And that is our final clip. What's it about? What's all what this about? What do you want about? with me? <laughs> <laughs> what do we want with him? <laughs> all right, I admit. I exchange a few punches with a copper. Making a big fuss over it, aren't we? Hmm. Well, I'll say you know very well that's not the principal charge. Really? 
Then what is? Premeditated murder, sir. <gasps> Three murders, in fact. You must be joking. No, not unless you have a perfectly good explanation of your presence in the house last night. Isabel, I'm sorry. I... I'd go a long way to save a lady's reputation, only I couldn't risk murder to do it. Explain yourself, Sonny Jim. Last night I was... Uh, I made an appointment that morning to be together with... Exactly how do you mean together? We were in a room on the ground floor till early this morning, clear. Quite. When I was about to leave, the lights went out and you know the rest. I'm sorry. I... <clears throat> what do you say to that, madam? Miss Isabel? What do you say? Last night, I only went out of my room to give Pauline the receipt for the photographs that Ted asked me to have developed. I haven't the slightest idea why this gentleman has chosen to embarrass me in this way. He's lying. How can you say that I... I had only seen the gentleman on one occasion, and that was yesterday afternoon. You know that's not true. I don't know why he's lying, but he is lying. Isabel, for God's sake, what are you saying? Go, go. Oh, darling, I, I only want to get you something to wear. You can't go around in that state. Now, let's see what I have. Here. There's nothing like a change of clothes to help a woman's morale. Bill, I think Anthony knows you are lying. I know he does. Even if I had told the truth, what good would it have done to us to make a scene like that? Oh, sure. He would have said nothing. He would have been so damned comprehensive in expressing his trust. Why don't you leave him? Because... Though I know he's a failure, only Anthony can rescue our matrimony. And I love him. You know, the, he's being taken away. Isabel is pretty much ready to let a guy hang uh, just so no one finds out that, you know, she cheated. And <laughs> just as she gets changed in some Barb's clothing, uh, she gets shot. And when the cops come running in, they think it's Barb who's been shot, but they say, no, it's Isabella. And then Barb blames herself for her shooting, saying that it's, you know, because everyone close to her and the uh, killer's obviously after her and they're, you know, so that's why it's her fault. And, and then also um, the ladies dressed in her clothing, that was her outfit and that she was yeah. wearing it like earlier. So maybe the killer assumed it was her and tried to kill her. Yeah, exactly. So with all this kind of happening now, uh, then now Isabel is dead. And um, we see that it, it almost looks like at one point, was that the same window Anthony was in? We, you know, you don't know right now, but because Anthony was looking at them from a window from across the way. So uh, they check and... Uh, they go all the way up actually into that uh, the observatory and there's a lot of dust and they find men's shoe prints the only problem is as Thorpe points out none of them actually helps them because uh they're all wearing golf shoes and they're all wearing men's golf shoes so yeah all the footprints would be looking like it was from men yeah in some way shape or form they would have to try and go by the size and they may all have the same you know similar size feet yeah so uh you know bad bad news for them yeah uh, this nothing case to differentiate all around Yep, the this case is getting tougher, tougher by the minute. Exactly. 
Georgie wants to uh, meet with Barb alone. He says, you know, he has some things he has to tell him, but for family purposes, he says, don't tell the cops or anything. Just meet me alone. He's and, getting sleazy on his fucking cousin. Yeah, on his cousin, dude. It's fucking gross. It's he, hot. Yeah, he's, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> that, we've talked about this. You know, it's right. not hot. It's gross that it's hot. God damn it, Court. Hot that it's All gross? Right. All right. Um... <laughs> I'll accept it. That's something I'll accept. So, um, Thorpe then is, he's thinking about the case and Gray gets really pissed and he kind of just leaves Thorpe alone. He's like, you know, I don't know what you're thinking of right now, but he goes, you need to, you know, just, yeah, Gray's at the end of his rope and, you know, just like, fuck this and fuck everyone. And so as Thorpe's thinking, he remembers about the the photos that uh, Ted had sent in. So he calls up the uh, place, uh, the picture place, and they say that Ted had picked up the photos. And he, Thorpe is really wondering about this because that would be really difficult for Ted to be able to get those photos in that kind of time. So they start talking and he gets a description of the person who picked him up. Then Thorpe sees, he's sitting there in his chair thinking he sees the observatory and sees a window open at the observatory. So then he runs all the way up to the observatory. He starts really thinking, and he looks at a clock that's working, and it really clicks to him. And then he sees Georgie and Barb talking, and he calls them up, and he tells them to bring the rest, everyone else as well. Uh, They're all going to be needed. Um, And that actually ends that, and we go now into our final ten minutes. Yeah, let's just do it before we will close out. So, <laughs> All right. So, Thorpe brings them all in and shows that clock working, and he's like, why would a clock be working if no one's been in here this whole time? Uh, so, <laughs> Okay, sure. Let's... Yeah, I... Well, he said no one's been supposed to have been in here for months after the death. So, you know, why would anyone uh, be in here? Why would have? Why would the clock be working? This, I'm assuming, so is a I, clock that someone would have to wind to make it work. So why yeah. is it wound up and why is it working if no one's been in yeah. here for months? Why didn't it wind down? As he walks around, he says, right about now, the killer's getting nervous. And he goes, and in 30 seconds, the killer will reveal themselves. And then he sits there and he sees an Anthony and he goes, I'm sorry, sir, but you only have 30 30 seconds left and anthony's like why is this why is this and then you hear a ding and barb rushes quickly to push anthony out of the way and a bullet goes through the window we see that there's a hidden rifle inside one of the telescopes that was pointed right at anthony now it's Ted- important to note that while the cop is talking to people he's pointing the telescope end yes, at a bunch Ed. of people before he yes. lets it rest on Sorry. anthony that's a very important thing because he's pointing yes. it at various people and he's talking about them as if they're a suspect at that moment and then when he leaves it on a person he's talking about how the killer must be sweating and then yep. he moves it over to anthony and this is where his end game plays out yes um we find out that ted and pauline they were actually not even meant to be murdered but they stumble upon something photos that barb was worried about and see barb was worried about the photos ted seeing the photos which he had never seen and then he was worried she didn't know that the photos hadn't been picked up and she was worried that maybe ted had shown pauline and that's why pauline was dead then georgie lets everyone or then the officer lets everyone know that georgie actually picked up the pictures as the people who gave it to him described Georgie. And Georgie says, well, that's why I was going to talk to you, cousin. I knew what you'd give me in return for those photos. Is he implying that he was going to make her fuck him? Yes. That's what I thought. Yeah. 
Well, we find out something very... There was a different will. Um, There was a new updated will. And the will was changed. It was going to leave Isabella with everything. And, like, everyone was, like, all pissed at Barb at real qu- quick and going, I knew, you know, the, I knew he wouldn't just leave us out in the lurch. And the, even the respect, uh, Gray was like, uh, I highly doubt the new will would have changed anything for you people. And we find out it wouldn't have. All it was going to change was it was going to leave Barb out in the cold and give Isabella everything. So it's over. Isabella's taken away. Later on, uh, the two cops, they're walking together and Gray offers Thorpe to come with him to London, join Scotland Yard with him and work with him and be his partner. Thorpe's very happy. They're very excited. And when they come about, it looks like Georgie is a dead body laying in a field. They kind of laugh and think he's playing another practical joke. Uh, but when they go to examine him, they kind of don't think it's a joke. They look at each other and Gray goes, would you like to leave right now? Thorpe says, I believe I would. They run away. Roll credits. So that ending, they're setting up another caper, or is it just like a final caper where they're like, we're done solving murders for this family, let's run? Like, I don't Yeah, I think so. I think it's just supposed to be a fun little... Yeah, it's just... Nah, little, one last little joke. Yeah, and it is funny. It does kind of, you know, lighten the mood just a little bit. And also, we get what we've been wanting all along. Georgie's finally dead. Yeah. Yeah, Georgie's gone because he's fucking gross. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of stuff that I did have kind of an issue with the first time I watched it, but once I relaxed and just kind of had a good time where Thorpe was dressing down the detective guy, and you're right, the sergeant detective guy or whoever it is that's working with him, Gray, he does kind of do a turnaround after the thing in the basement, and he starts to realize that he needs to give Thorpe more credit. So you do tend to like him a little bit more, and then they become this sort of buddy cop duo for the rest of the film, and it's kind of fun and that's where they're goofing off in the hallway like little kids all excited to be solving the crime together and it's like well, a- i love what they were walking together at the end they're hooked in arms yeah yeah like little kids like just kind of yeah. parading off and they're just kind of doing it and which makes it even funnier like they, they had this wonderful friendship of solving all of these murders and then there's more but they're like no forget this family they're not worth it yeah this is a fucking <laughs> it's a weird thing happening yeah. <laughs> and it's it's funny it's silly it's it's a spoof and it's it's fun i've seen other Italian quote-unquote sex comedies or comedies that were nowhere near as funny as this. Um, I think the British cast really helps. Uh, they're really selling it. And it, it just kind of reminds me of, you know, what we'll, we'll get later on in British comedy stuff with, like, Nick Frost. Like, that's what the main Thorpe guy felt like to me. And I, he may be a standard character of comedic types for over there, you know, because you, you see this type of just a real shy, kind of childlike grown human being that barely functions but in some way shape or form ends up becoming really good at what they do and that's kind of what Thorpe reminds me of like Danny after he got trained up by Nicholas Angel Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like it's it's just kind of like that, and I I really liked it. I I liked the the aspect of him being really good at what he does, and using the fact that he is so presumably a bumbling oaf that he just uses that to disarm people. And I fucking fell for it too, and it took me a little while to get over that. Uh, the murder mystery bit is kind of fun. I did really like the reveal of the ending with the gun, and so the pistol that the photographer guy, the first victim, was shot with, was set up with another. Cl- 
block and that was going to be the statue hit and he had a photo of that he figured out what was going on and he was going to blackmail the main uh barbara yeah. lady who got the main inheritance at first with the, the original will must have been something of the the new will either that or the original setup um for the, the killing the butler yeah the gun that she would have used or something like that he had some kind yeah. of photo with the gun and a clock that's what yeah. uh, thorpe kept saying so it had to do something with that setup for the original the butler knew about the new will and that's why he was hanging out so much and giving her sus looks because he knew the will had been changed right she killed the butler and she was going to kill isabella those are supposed to be the only kills that happened right but it just kind of fell apart and then it it escalated from there and then when she had to get rid of the pistol then it was a modified rifle that she ended up putting further up and inside of the tower for the astronomy observation stuff with those telescopes and it's kind of cool it's a neat idea i would think that someone that was that mechanically inclined would have found another way to get rid of people but it's just a it's a cheat that's fun and it's supposed to be a a cheeky spoof you know so of course they're gonna put a gun inside of a telescope (laughs) of course come on you know and it's it's, i mean that that this is colombo those type of shows written all over it yeah yeah and it's and for 1970 it's pretty much right ahead of its time you start doing this stuff on tv you draw back some of the weird creepy sex stuff between a mother and her son and you know you got yourself 70s sitcom tv like colombo yeah exactly exactly, right or quincy or some shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's and i love that stuff and i know you do too so you know we we had a good time with it it's totally great this is a great film this is a lot of fun yeah i I don't really have a whole hell of a lot else to say about it Uh, we just kind of you know really dug into it um so while it is yeah it's a fun film all that there's not much to you know there's not much to unpack you know what i mean yeah there's There's all text no subtext yeah yeah there uh, where where our last film had a lot of subtext this this has none (laughs) this is just you get what you get yeah the polar opposite of david lynch is what this film did for us exactly (laughs) all right let's take another break here we'll play another promo for a podcast we'll have a little bit of music that was stolen straight out of the film when we come back we'll do some psyop news are you having trouble keeping up with the ebbs and flows of modern geekery is the real world holding you back from knowing what is happening in the geeky world to answer these and other personal problems brought in by your friends gaming group and loved ones Geek Radio Daily presents daily informational sessions brought to you by the wonderful Billy Flynn, the Flynnstress, and podcasting's Rich Siegfried. They contain such helpful segments as history, geek birthdays, box office results, the latest in DVD and Blu-ray, video game and comic releases. Why, they also have a weekly show hosted by the wonderful Billy Flynn and the Flynnstress, which includes interviews and commentary. And to make sure you are informed, Geek Radio Daily also provides you with your daily dose of geek news to make sure you know more than that jerk know-it-all Steve. Visit us at geekradiodaily.com. That's right, Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. Now available in fine Corinthian leather.
didn't talk about it a lot, but damn that fucking score, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, that was pretty good. Yeah. That was some good stuff. Yeah, whoever scored this did an amazing fucking job, and I'm glad I was able to find it. It took me a little bit of work to actually find I, I the, the album. I had to go on like YouTube for Italy and shit. Well, hey, <laughs> listen, sometimes we sacrifice things, and you learn something today. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit of work, but I, I got it to work, and now we have the soundtrack to play underneath us talking about the film and in these segments so it works out and I'm glad I was able to do it but I'll be even more glad when you give me some alright this comes from Robert Ward our man in the field. Yeah, our field reporter. Yes. Kazaki bodybuilder wed sex doll Margot after 18 months of courtship. Ooh, is that me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum? Yeah, our Not- man in the field, Robert, posted this specifically for me. He thinks that I'll have a lot of talking points on this, I guess. Oh, all right. Your cum will probably taste better. Than a sex doll? I would hope so. Well, that's weird. Pedaline Jaya, November 26th, Kazaki, I don't even think I'm pronouncing that There's right. There's no way you are. No way. No way. Uh, bodybuilder Yuri Tolchiko. Not pronouncing uh, that right either, Matt. No, no. None of this is being pronounced right, uh, except for uh, sex and doll. Um, <laughs> and even that's a little suspect. <laughs> probably. Probably a little suspect. So anyway... Um, his name is Yuri Tokolichko, has tied the knot with his sex doll Margot in an intimate wedding attended by close friends. A girl gets terrified enough, the only thing that's going to solve that is a cock. Your (laughs) silicone penis budget is out of control. It really is. But as long as there's a mask involved and everyone's happy, you know, I'm fucking fine. Um, uh, he initially planned to marry his unusual life partner in March, but was forced to delay the event due to COVID-19 restrictions. Ain't that just the way? Vagina Uh, smells like dead body. His dreams finally came true recently, and he posted a 40-second Instagram clip yesterday with a simple caption writing, It's happened to be continued. I just watched the clip, and it is frightening. (laughs) It is... It is just weird. I watched, there's a little clip. They they included it in the article, and it is, people are clapping for him. His friends are there. It's, um. He's not yeah. hurting anybody, Matt. I, he's not. He's not hurting anybody, and that's fine. It's still, it looks weird. All right, man? It's an inanimate object. It's just, nothing's moving. It's just weird. The <laughs> video shows the couple sharing a kiss under a wedding arch as dozens of well-dressed guests clapped and proposed toast to their marriage. You, you think any one of them were there? They're just kind of like, what's he doing? <laughs> like, they got the wedding invitation. I go, I thought he was fucking around with this. Hey, think he's serious. Hey, you are shaming yeah. this man. I'm not shaming anybody. I'm only stating what did his friends think. I'm not shaming anyone. This may not be acceptable or normal to you, but that's your baggage, not theirs. If they're I'm fine with what their friends do, and it's fine. It's fine. No one's getting hurt. You were exactly right. Uh huh. But you're still but sounding very judgy. <laughs> you're sounding very, very judgy here. Am I sounding judgy? Yes. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, he uh, he can also be seen slipping a wedding ring onto Margot's silicon finger and holding her clothes for their first dance as husband and wife. The pink-haired doll has been in his companion for 18 months now, and he often shares photos of her on his personal Instagram, as well as a dedicated account he created in their name. And, you know, he's a bodybuilder. You beat the fuck out of me, so I'm going to watch myself. I mean, that's While not why the- I was showing the, the trying to show the guy some compassion and respect. Um, I just, He's a fucking uh, human being, and yeah. he's not doing anything that's hurting anybody, and if he wants to live in a fantasy world where she is a real person, great, but if he's just that happy happy with a sex doll that he wants to actually marry it great i don't fucking care he's not hurting me let him be all right i'm not saying he can't do it don't don't put that evil on me ricky bobby Uh, so while some of the snaps capture innocent moments of the couple on romantic dates others are more risque and feature margo and skimpy lingerie and posing in sexual positions okay nothing wrong with that told i'm just gathering myself, okay? <laughs> he told the UK tabloid, the Daily Star, that he identifies as pansexual and can fall in love with a character, an image, a soul, or just a person. He also professed to be a fan of the BDSM subculture, adding that Margot is capable of what other people are not capable of when it comes to practicing bondage. That's even better. Good. Good for him. That is good. See, he's found so a healthy outlet for his desires. Shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, he says he likes the process of sex itself and gender sexual orientation are not particularly important here. Uh, he says he loves being tortured and he can endure a lot of pain. He also loves to dominate and Margot is capable of what other people are not capable of, he says. So, I mean, good for him. He realizes something about himself. So, uh, let's see here. The muscle man's peculiar relationship with the sex doll has caused a stir on social media. But he remains unfazed by the naysayers who sees their union as perverse or unnatural. In an Instagram post in June, he shared photos of him and Margot working out together and suggested that couples need to talk less and connect more. With time and experience, Margot and he uh, he has stated that uh, Margot and he realized it takes more than words to have a conversation. Uh, he says if your partner uh, if your partner des- uh, deserves the best, but they also have to do their part. He wrote. Uh, uh, so uh, there you go. Um, good for him, right? Good for him. Yeah, I got no problem with this. Uh, the only thing oh. that the only thing that I can really see is him coming right out and trying to say that this is more than just like a fantasy, where she actually is real, and you know, will you know, just refuses to talk to everybody else or something like that. Yeah. Like maybe that, where that, it's a complete you might be in loss. A danger zone there. Yeah, like a complete loss of reality. But like, if this is just a fantasy thing for him, where he knows that this is an object, but he feels that this is something he can be attracted to and in love with and he's comfortable with it but he knows that it's not actually alive but he wants to give it this character life that he's created great totally fine with that that seems pretty fucking healthy the only thing i'm worried about is getting to the point where the complete loss of reality sets in and you start to you know move into another territory but that's only for someone that may be predisposed to that sort of thing otherwise indulge your fucking fantasies have a fucking blast you know, you're not hurting anybody Enjoy else. Enjoy the honeymoon. Awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> Have fun, man. It's cool. Have fun. <laughs> you can't get COVID, so with you know, they're safe from that. <laughs> yeah, at least he doesn't have to worry about his sex doll bringing home COVID to him. That's right. He doesn't have to worry about it bringing it home to her. <laughs> right. Well. Or whatever pronoun he's comfortable with with using at this point yeah neither one of them need to worry about the other bringing home the disease yes 
Pron- pronoun, pal. Pronoun. <laughs> I'm trying. I really am. I want to be an ally. Right. <laughs> I'm still learning. I'll make mistakes, but that doesn't mean that I don't support you, and I apologize if I offend or hurt. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my God. And we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Since we've covered our bases, let's play the Ending Legion promo. We're going to have a little more music I grabbed right out of the film for the weekend murders. And when we come back, we will close out this pronoun correct show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. soundtrack whoever did it did a really fucking good job yeah it really did it was really good yeah i can't really recall a movie before where a soundtrack really really overshadowed what was going on in the film but i do feel like this one does a little bit uh, it works in conjunction with the film really really well uh for setting the mood and the tone kind of like what we got in the wicker man with its soundtrack where it wouldn't be quite the same film without the soundtrack where it really definitely enhances the film and kind of brings the story to the forefront with the music you know yeah that's actually true yeah the wicker man episode or the wicker man music soundtrack was really fucking eerie yeah it really helped develop the atmosphere and i think because the tone shifts so much in weekend murders the the way that the soundtrack also kind of ebbs and flows with it i think works really well and i just always like to close out the show i guess talking about how much i love the soundtrack because <laughs> this is like the second you do, week you i've like done talking about the music 
Yeah, I'm much more into music than what you are. If you want to find other instances where I talk about music incessantly and annoy the fuck out of Matt when he just wants to end the show, that's available on legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. That's our main landing and launching page. I didn't say it annoys me. I like learning shit. If you'd like to find other things that annoy Matt when he wants to pretend that it's just him learning shit, it's in our Facebook group, Cinema Psyops, where I have no idea how I segued that, but sure, why not? You did it. Good job. Yeah, I'm all proud of you. I'm also available on Facebook as Court Psyops, and he is available on Facebook as Matt Psyop, even though he still hasn't checked any of his fucking messages, and I know. Actually, I just checked him. Did you respond yet? Because he's starting to screen cap them on you. Is it? Yeah, I'm going to respond. <laughs> You haven't even responded yet now. I, well, I just checked him just now, so of course I haven't. <laughs> so that's Matt Psyop on Facebook. I guess that's the best way to get a hold of him. He says he checks it, but he hasn't checked it since June. No. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. I, I just got on there tonight. <laughs> you can also email feedback to Matt Psyop, Matt at gmail.com, but who fucking knows whenever he fucking checks that? I check things. Fuck off. You I got a lot of personal problems. You can also email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com, who has even more personal problems, but will still take the time to respond <laughs> you don't know that you could tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate filled shit fest with people that have way more personal problems than both myself and matt oh yeah yeah no that's a fact that is twitter i am yeah. at court underscore psyop and he is at psyop matt the show yeah. also has a representation via me on instagram i am cinema underscore psyops there that is the repository of all things stolen meme yeah they're not stolen. They're repurposed. There are means. <laughs> Welcome to the way the world works now, comrade. <laughs> that pinko lefty communist podcast known as Cinema Psyops trying to change our mind about the glory of capitalism. We, we definitely showed those capitalist pig dogs who was boss, didn't we, comrades? <laughs> well, if you're feeling really, really depressed about how no one has ever shown those capitalist pig dogs who's boss and gotten away with it, <laughs> make sure to use that anger to kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. After the beep, please record a message. Afterwards, your message will be played back to you. One two fuck you, 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 one two if you are able to hear your own voice, then you have configured Skype correctly. If you hear this message, but not your own voice, then something is wrong with your audio recording settings. Please check your microphone and microphone settings or visit Skype.com for more help. Thank you for using the Skype call testing service. Goodbye.
Hello, hello. Hey, what's up? Hey, not much. How you doing? Oh, uh, not too bad. I did a test call, so I don't have to ask you if everything's working or not. So oh, there you go. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, I texted you, asked if you were ready, and then I messaged you on on Skype here, and then I just did the Skype test call to like kill time waiting to see if you I got a response on either one. Oh, there you go. And then then I saw you basically messaged me right as I was finishing up the test call. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. So go ahead and start recording on your side if you. Uh, you hear me fine? I am recording. Okay. One, two, three. All right. Uh, we did watch the right movie, right? We both watched uh, Weekend uh, Murders. Weekend Murders, yep. The Weekend Murders from 1970. Yeah. Okay. Fucking A. Not just casual Weekend Murders, but The Not Weekend Murders. The Weekend Murders. I mean, these are like The Weekend Plans. If you don't, can't, if you can't get with them, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> this is the premier Weekend the, Murders. The premier Weekend for Murders. And if you can't get behind it, well, you're just not in the in crowd anymore. You're, just, you're, <laughs> you're one of the insane sufferable pricks who can't make fucking plans and stick with them, I guess. <laughs> I think that's probably the tax we're going to be taking on this, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's not fuck around too much. Let's, uh, we're wasting gold again, so here we Fuckery. go. Fuckery, well, at least I'm recording on my end, so I mean, you know. Yeah, we're getting the full crisp at voice. Yeah. yeah, there you go. All right, starting the show. And so this leads to our next clip. Uh, that's the last one I got. It should be five. Yeah, that's number five. That's the last one. There was only five of them. I'm sorry. I, our, it is. It is. <laughs> it is our final clip. Let me hit that again. So, uh, oh, sorry. I got a whole new notebook and it's like a thick five, you know, source. So it's like huge. Um, that anger to kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, hopefully and everybody has fun listening. I think they will. And I've stopped recording on my... Alrighty, 